we have good guys on our team, and, and we love them, and we're for them. And uh, maybe outside of their mothers, their biggest fans or their coaches, but we're also their harshest critics. And they have to understand that they are going to be harshly critiqued. This is A New Angle, and I'm your host, Justin Angle, marketing professor at the University of Montana. This podcast is my chance to speak with cool people doing awesome things in and around the great state of Montana. We are proudly underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot Communications. Okay, folks, welcome back, and thanks for tuning in today. It's spring game week here at the University of Montana, so I'm excited to bring you my conversation with head football coach Bobby Houck. Now, our discussion is not about X's and O's, where I would certainly be well out of my depth. But instead, we talk about some of the broader issues facing the game and the role football plays at the University of Montana in particular. Coach Houck had tremendous success during his first stint coaching here, and our struggles since his departure have been well-documented. It was interesting to hear his perspective on those challenges, his thoughts on coming back home, and his thoughts on the role football can play here at the University of Montana and in our future. It's clear in this conversation that Coach Houck is a staunch advocate for the sport and what it can do to shape the character of young men. We talk a lot about culture and values and the sort of team he's trying to build here. We also talk about some of the unique challenges and responsibilities facing our student athletes. I was really thankful that Coach was willing to free up time during a busy week, and I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. I'm excited to bring it to you right now. So we're here today with Coach Bobby Houck, head football coach at the University of Montana. Coach, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's great to be on with you, and, and obviously any time that we get to uh, – spend time with our colleagues from around campus like uh, yourself, it's a good day. Yeah, and we hadn't met before, so I was really excited to meet you and uh, get over here to the athletics offices. Likewise. We're, yeah, and we're catching you uh, kind of in the midst of spring practice, a delayed spring practice, because it's been a bit of a delayed spring here in Montana. Yeah, I mean, obviously those of us that are, are living here uh, recognize the fact that a couple weeks ago it was pretty arctic and we weren't getting above zero and maybe even as low as 20 below. And we had to push spring the start date back a week just because we the field was so we don't worry about the temperatures so much uh, we we go when it's cold it's right. it's an outdoor game but the field conditions were so bad that we couldn't get a, it was frozen so solid we couldn't get a cleat in the ground so we couldn't go gosh i mean that's kind of unsafe for the for the players at that yeah, stage yeah well that's why think. you go it's a safety issue i mean yeah. it's not a not a toughness issue it's a be smart and be safe and and uh get good work in. So those three things have to be available to us or we don't go. And that's got to feel pretty good to finally get back outside and get the players moving around. Well, especially the last few days is, yeah. is was we don't need to sit here and talk about the weather all day, but uh, <laughs> the weather's been so bad that uh, to get out there in the sunshine and uh, 50 degrees or whatever has been, you know, it's felt like spring out there and it's been a lot of fun. And the guys, uh, including the coaches, have had some bounce in their step and you know, I think my friends around the country probably laugh when they look at our practice film and they see snow banks and yeah. they see everybody <laughs> out there in shorts and T-shirts. They think we're nuts. Right. Well, I mean, that's what it takes to get the job done around here. Um, speaking of getting the job done, one of the things, I mean, maybe it's from my perspective as a member of the faculty here, but you know, one of the things um, that I'd like to start out with is just got some great news about the academic performance of our student athletes across campus and the football team's a big part of that, but um, some record strong GPA across the student athlete population here. And, you know, what's your view? I I know when you came back, I heard um, you listed out four priorities for your team and getting a degree was the first one of your list. Um, 
Speak to that a little bit. Well, yeah, when when when, when our players come here to to go to school and and play for us, I mean they're they're in college. You're college students. You're here to get a degree, and that has to be uh, first and foremost on their plate. And it's emphasized by our coaching staff. And and you know they they can't come here and be a dang shame to walk be here for four or five years and not walk out of here with a degree. And sometimes and and not all, but there are there are kids that age that are coming to college and they they see it as a long-term proposition when it when it goes fast for most sure. of them and all of us at that age and we need to make sure that they understand that their degree and the pursuit of it have to be paramount to everything else and you know I, I think a lot of guys in my job say those things but I hope that when when you or others look into that what I'm saying that it actually holds muster with the result and it's not just a bunch of words that I'm saying because you happen to have a microphone in front of me and the last time here you know it's a unique situation <clears throat> where I was being the head coach here for seven years previously uh, during that time when we got into our sixth and seventh year over that span we graduated our football students higher than any team in the department mm-hmm. which is the, the only reason I bring it up is I want to toot our horn a little bit because that's unusual yeah, you know, if we're if we're graduating our football players at a higher rate than the tennis team, then we're doing something right. And this time around, the the last two semesters, our team GPA has been the highest in the history of of the program uh, in consecutive semesters. And I'm just I'm proud of our guys for embracing that. I'm proud of our coaches and our support staff for helping us get that done. But you know, we're we're about our guys. Uh, getting their degrees in fact i'd say we're we're really kind of about three things growing up young men and and having well-rounded competent people going out the door that can be successful in whatever they want to do uh getting their degrees mm-hmm. and then winning football games would be the uh the other thing and that's uh you know to me personally those those three are mandates that I think our university shares for our program, but sure. also uh, that when I look in the mirror, those are things I mandate for myself to try to accomplish in the program. I mean, it's interesting at this level of football. I mean, certainly we have a history of star players coming through and, and earning the you know the ability to play on Sundays and, and in, the, in the NFL. But that's not your typical path of a Montana football player. So you're kind of you know it's not unlikely that that. You know the Cat Grizz game their senior year will be the last time they they play a, f- a game of football. Yeah, I think the tendency is to, and not just here but nationally, is to focus on the guys that are moving on and getting a chance to play on Sundays. And the fact of the matter at Montana and every other college football program, right. the vast vast majority don't play after college, and a lot of them as- aspire to. But that you know, to play in the National Football League is uh, I mean, those are truly uh, one percenters or less of Division One college players. Mm-hmm. I mean, even even team like like Alabama, who's been in the uh, the uh, FBS national championship pretty much the last ten years. I mean, they probably have five guys a year that make teams. So when you look at that, that's five percent at Alabama, right? Let alone everybody else in the country. So. Um, it kind of goes back to what you and I discussed on the degree. You, all of these players nationwide need to focus on their degree as their future. It's going to open 
doors for them after football's over, football ends. And then the other part of the Sunday thing is the average NFL career for guys that actually make teams is 2.8 or 9 years. Right, right. So you, you, you are not going to be able to sit there and do nothing from age 26 on. You better have something to do and, and have a passion for something else. So coming back here has had to have been a really interesting kind of cultural uh, experience. And we can talk about culture and how to change culture, but, you know, just by way of sort of you understand a little bit about me, I landed here in 2012, and it's been an interesting period of time, uh, both for the university and uh, the community. And what was it like for you during your time at, at, at UNLV and San Diego State to kind of be watching what was going on back here uh, from afar, both at the university and the football level? Yeah, to be the to be the head football coach here is uh, for me. You know, for for Bobby Hawk to be the head football coach here is somewhat of a unique situation. Yeah, um, there, there's probably not too many guys in the country, or maybe no one that has the same attachment to the university and the the state that I do here. I mean, mm-hmm. I was I'm a third generation alum. Um, this fall, I'll have three of my own children on campus here uh, doing different coursework. Uh, one of them on the football team, two mm-hmm. of them doing graduate degrees. Um, you know, I, I'm an alum. And then you couple that with the fact that this is my third tenure on campus after graduating. Yeah. You know, I was a volunteer assistant coach and I was a head coach and then I'm back as the head coach. So I've got a very, very uh, unique uh, purview and attachment to this university. And so um, with all that being said, um, it probably doesn't. I probably don't need to go further, but that's evidentiary that I'm invested in this place heavily, absolutely, and have been since, you know, my earliest recollections as a child of which college I was probably going to attend or which sports team I was cheering for or whatever. It's, it's Montana and the Montana Grizzlies. So while I was away uh, watching what was going on. Um, you know, there's some things that were were uh, not getting done to the level they should have, and kind of disappointing at times. But I think that uh, one of the things that's aggravated me the most is how much focus there is, or is tended to be uh, during that interim on negativity. Yeah. You know, and and you don't read. There are so many good things, and and you work on this campus, so you know you're around and doing this podcast with people, you see it. There's so much positivity. There is so much uh, good work being done. Mm-hmm. There are so many great folks on this campus that are working their tails off, care about the place, and doing a great job that none of it gets mentioned. All that, all that gets mentioned, and we'll go back to the other side of the 1%, we'll go back to the to the 1% or less that are not holding up their end of the bargain, whatever that case may be, and that's where the focus lies. And you know, and then and then for the, you know, for the city of Missoula and the University of Montana to be singled out by a by an, a widely discredited author in a book, I mean, I I don't know why there's so much. I can't understand why there's so much focus on that. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, that's abject nonsense. That so much time is as an emotion has been wasted on on that particular work. Uh, we have a good place. People are doing their job, and uh, for me to be back here and be a part of that and be working for uh, um, the guy in charge of Main Hall, Seth Bodner, who's yep. got a great vision for this place and is highly energetic, great for the students, 
great for the campus, great for the community. Um, I mean, the guy's a born leader, and I'm, I'm glad to be uh, following along and working with him. Yeah, how's that experience gone? I mean, you coming back, having this deep personal history and experience with the institution and, and partnering with another uh, leader like Seth, who's, who's new to this place but has a lot of energy about, um, about how to turn the place around and envisions for leadership. Well, the first thing is is being uh, ten years older than a university president's a little bit, <laughs> a little bit startling for for me. I don't, I don't view myself as an old guy, but uh, being you know what 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 our president doesn't know, he figures out in a hurry. Yeah, and for him to you know, being that he served the armed forces, parachute in here and. Uh, you know, just just land in main hall and then start shaping things up. Uh, I really admire him for how fast he figures out and reads the tea leaves and figures out how what needs to be done. Uh, I also really admire him for how he, he goes about his business. You know, the human nature. I think for a lot of people who are unprepared to lead, uh, that that get jobs uh, of that nature mm-hmm. that are leadership positions. I think that the first thing they tend to do is they, they tend to be unsure of how things are, so they come in with a, a swath or and cut everything down and then just clean slate it. Sure. He uh, uh, does not do that. He comes in and analyzes, then makes decisions. And, I mean, in, in, in one guy's opinion, that's the way you should do things. It's the proper way. It's the right way. It's best for people. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just a big fan of our boss. And so you were facing probably some similar dynamics when you came back last year, you know, how to address team culture, getting the culture to, to be the type of culture you wanted. Um, you talk about that process and challenge and how you approached it. Yeah, and I think as you get older, you, you, you understand that there are a lot of ways to skin a cat. And for me, in terms of the Grizzly football team, there's uh, – uh, there's a Montana way and there's other ways. And we're, we're going to do things the Montana way. Now, part of your question is the culture and how, how you instill that. And, and a lot of that, what the culture is, is kind of what I, as the head coach, deem it to be. Yeah, what is that so, Montana way so, that you describe? You know, and, and to me, um, our way is this. And the culture of our program is going to be this. If we can instill toughness, work ethic, discipline and character and the players on our team will have a good football team. So that's the the foundation for the culture of our football team is mental and physical toughness, attention to detail, thus discipline, mm-hmm. character and work ethic. And and former players that have played for us, that have gone on to great things and I mean whatever it is in business, educators, lawyers, doctors, um, doesn't matter. The military all the different things, law enforcement, all the different things that our former players have done. I mean, some of them are back on the family ranch, but uh, to a man, when they communicate, they say, I am better for having been a part of that culture, playing on that football team, and was better prepared for that next endeavor than the guy next to me that didn't do it. So to me, that you know, it's evidentiary that, that we're doing some things right, uh, just because of the success of the people going out the door. And ultimately, like I, I spoke to the three mandates I, I kind of envision that we have, uh-huh. uh, that's an important one. And 
one of the more rewarding, as I talk about being an old guy, one of the more rewarding things about getting out and being around is seeing our former players and the success they're having as men, as fathers, as community members, uh, as well as in their jobs. And so what are some of the markers you use to sort of assess if, hey, the toughness and the character and the work ethic are, you know, are there things you look for in practice or, you know, with the academics or in meetings that, that tell you that, hey, we're on the right path? Well, certainly in the academic side, I mean, we've got requirements in terms of the weekly uh, approach to their academics and the time that needs to be spent. Um, not every student that steps onto this campus or any other one is totally prepared for the rigors of college academics. Right. I mean, sometimes it's the the best students in high school, it came so easily to them, mm-hmm. they don't have good study habits. Yeah. So we try to indoctrinate that from the get-go. Uh, it's a little harder to, uh, I mean, you're, you're quantified with a GPA at sure. that point. So we, we I mean, there's a, there's a result there. In t- terms of the other stuff, um, that's evaluated on, Things we do every day as a, a football team and the individual as a football player and an athlete. And the things that our players are required to do um, outside of their academic work, uh, I mean, it's, it's very similar to uh, in terms of time commitment. It's very similar to having a full-time job while you're a full-time student. Mm-hmm. There's a, a lot required of our guys. So uh, I think it, it makes them attractive there are a lot of people, corporations that are hiring that they take that into consideration, knowing what they have to do to be successful in the classroom and, and being a college football player. And, and the requirements of our sport are a little different than others. A New Angle is underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot Communications, two cool companies doing awesome things all over Montana. Hi, this is Jeff Meese, media technician at the College of Business, and you're listening to A New Angle. I mean, the, the amount of film work and teaching time and uh, weight training, all those different things that go into it, uh, they, they learn time management. They learn to do those things. The other thing... Yeah, that might I actually... Would, can I, sorry to interrupt, yeah, no, but that might good. be really instructive for the listener. Is like, what's a day in the life of the typical University of Montana football player in terms of the demands on their time. Yeah, certainly in season, it's a little more strenuous than out, but out out of season, the time commitment's almost as much as in season. It's just what you're spending your time doing. But, you know, during, during a day, uh, uh, in season, uh, they're up early. If they need some type of treatment, the training room that they're in there at, you know, six, six 30 in the morning, Mm -hmm. Um, in the off season, that's when the first lifts are five forty-five. So uh, that's our biggest group. Uh, we we try to train morning guys around here. Yep. Uh, but so a day in the life during the season would be get up, get treatment, uh, breakfast, class, study hall, lifting, meetings, practice, and then more study time if you need to get it in the evening, and then do it again. So, yeah, that's a full day. Yeah, and. Uh, not we, to mention the sleep. Yeah, you need to, ma- to do you, all that. Yeah, you, you have to have sleep. It's probably the most important. And nutrition and sleep are the things where, where our, our guys probably um, let things slip the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we try to help them and educate them on that. But uh, it's a full plate. We do give them Sundays off. But if you look at it, if we, 
we play a night game on the road. We fly yeah, back. Yeah. We probably get home at five five in the morning. They're sure. probably getting a little rest on Sunday, and then they have to start their study hour week. So mm-hmm. uh, they're busy. But you know, when you ask me the question about how to how we develop yeah the toughness and the culture of the program, you know, every scenario we put our our guys in is a it's a competitive scenario, and you're expected to compete and try to be the best. And any any and not to the detriment of your teammates, but when we're going against each other in, in any form or fashion, then we are trying to defeat the guy we're going against, and that's what makes the team better. Mm-hmm. The coaches evaluate every single thing we do. Um, every plan practice is filmed and evaluated and graded. Uh, every lift is monitored and watched and evaluated. Um, our conditioning stuff is time-tested. All of that, it's, it's uh, fairly scientific process yeah and then it's graded and it's either given thumbs up or thumbs down or you know moderately you know it's kind of like a b c or d mm-hmm. moderately good enough maybe not uh and our our uh our guys are evaluated on a daily basis and you have to be uh both physically tough and mentally tough to to deal with some of that and you know for our our, our guys understand that they're we love them uh, we really do. We have good guys on our team, and, and we love them, and we're for them. And uh, maybe outside of their mothers, their biggest fans or their coaches, but we're also their harshest critics. And they right. have to understand they are going to be harshly critiqued uh, at, at anything we do, football or academically. And we don't uh, mince many words when we're doing that. And then for me, uh, in terms of developing those, all those different characteristics we talked about, um, our coaches are mandated to – put them in uncomfortable situations. Okay. I don't think there's any growth by being comfortable all the time. So on a daily basis, we're put in uncomfortable competitive scenarios. You know, and, and thinking about that, like training that or instilling that toughness and that work ethic and that attention to detail, um, you know, these other cultural dynamics too that are important on not only on a team but on a team that happens to be one of the most visible collections of students probably in the state um you know, yeah, so I, I think you can certainly say that there's second place isn't close yeah i would agree <laughs> and you know how do they how do you teach the students and the kids to to kind of know hey you know you got to be if you're always competing and always tough and always have that edge and that chip and those kind of markers that you know are signs of success in, in, on the field how do you turn that off as a student when you go into the classroom when you're when you're out at night with your buddies and, and yeah well that's exactly it you have to turn it off yeah you all have to have that switch and you know that's believe me our guys are well educated um, to ever think that uh, I mean that's a that's a weekly if not daily discussion um, in in the season it's a little harder to spend time on sure. those sort of things but every Friday in the off season, so half over half the year, we uh, we have some sort of seminar for our team, and a lot of it has to do with that, um, all the different social issues, uh, things that, that people even even your age and certainly my age didn't have to deal with uh, when we were in college, mm-hmm. and we we spend a, a inordinate uh, amount of time on that, probably out of necessity more than anything else. And uh, our, our guys are well-versed, uh, well-educated on how they should uh, conduct themselves, how they should operate. Um, a 
it's a constant process because every it's not the same team you're in, you're out. You have new faces coming in every year, new undeveloped, uneducated um, youngsters. And so they are they are well versed on on how they uh, ought to act. And I mean, I'm talking everything from social issues to etiquette at the dinner table. Right. Our guys get our guys get education. And does that there's uh, they're not robots, though. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a thing called the human condition and free will and they are going to do what they're going to do and certainly uh having been 18 to 22 at one point my or 17 to 22 at one point in my life and knowing uh thousands and thousands of of uh early adults uh they are not always going to make and and every parent in america was second this they are not always going to make the right decision and our job is to continue to educate them, hold them accountable when they don't do things right, and, and uh, hopefully have a have a better person coming out of the program. Sure. And as I mentioned, I, I think basically the uh, vast, vast, uh, if not 100% majority of, of the guys that matriculate out of our program would, would second that. I just, uh, you know, I feel real strongly that uh, they're getting a great education, both on field, in the classroom, and socially here. And an example of of one of these kind of cultural exercises, I saw, um, I don't know where it was, some Instagram feed or something. Um, You had a group called A Call to Men come in and do a seminar with the team. Um, What was that all about? Well, again, it's... This can be a little bit redundant to what I just mentioned. Yeah. But, but uh, it's just an, it's another uh, seminar opportunity and another educational opportunity to provide guys with resource and example of um, today's culture and how to operate within it. Sure. Successful group. It was a good session. Well, I, yeah, I think for uh, you know for a couple hours spent, it's about it was about as good as you could possibly get. I mean, I thought it was valuable time um, for our guys. I thought that uh, the the gentleman that uh, presented to us did a a really fine job. I thought there's valuable information, and you know there there's all kinds of things in there that uh, you know we've got a hundred approximately a hundred guys listening yeah. to them. Not all of them are gonna gonna sure be tune in. in well I th- they were really tuned in i thought it was terrific because okay. we've had some of this stuff where i'm looking at them and five minutes in they're tuned out our, our guys were really engaged uh last night when we did that i mean they were locked in they were uh, active participants and you know and and i can t- they have to because they know i'm watching them sure but they, i can tell when they're faking it and when but they're not and they were engaged i mean it must resonate it's a really interesting time and a challenging time to be a, a young man it is, and I mean, you were you were that age. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're gonna hit them over, hit them in the forehead with it a bunch of times until yeah. it until it sinks in. And uh, I know I was that way, and I imagine you were too to a degree. You probably didn't listen to everything you heard the first time, no. and it became who you were. So we're we're going to continue to uh, continue to stress um, appropriate behavior on and off the field, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, I, I just think that it's 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 valuable time, and uh, the things we're doing now are, are things that you know would have been valuable to all of us at that age, but weren't available. And we're we're making those things available to our guys. Sure. And I want to p- sort of pull out the lens a little bit. I mean, one of the things that's uh, 
you know, a sign of a healthy culture is resilience. And that's something we need here at the University of Montana. We need to be resilient. We need to sort of turn the page and be on the upswing. Um, how do you view the role of, of football uh, in that equation in sort of helping this university uh, get back on track? It's, it's a great question, one I, I kind of enjoy talking about. And I'm sure that there will be many that, uh, I wouldn't say many, there will be some that don't agree with my, my take on it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, resilience, persistence, determination, all those things. I mean, adversity has been said to not build character but expose it. Okay. And you know, you, how you how you respond to adversity shows who you are and what kind of character you have and and that can be us as a university community. Uh you have to have some character. When things aren't going well, who's just putting their hand in the dirt and and working to make it better mm-hmm. instead of complaining about it. You know? And I think the tendency is to look elsewhere for someone else to do something and and everybody who's a student here a recruiter, an employee, uh, you know, you, you, you put your hand down in the dirt, as we say in football, and you get to work and make it better. Instead of complaining about what you don't have, focus on what you do have and get it done. And, you know, in terms of the, I mean, you know, I, I know every custodian's name here at the Adams Center, and sure. I know they do a good job. I mean, and, and it doesn't matter who it is, all right, from my, from my uh, bosses, starting with, with uh, Seth Bodner, who's over at the food zoo, having lunch with our students and writing emails and everything to individual prospective students. Everybody here on campus ought to be doing that. Send five emails a day to a prospective student. Everybody that works on campus will pump enrollment up. Instead mm-hmm. of looking to one individual, you know, help. Do your job. Help out. And in terms of what football can do, we can do our job. And as you mentioned earlier – as the front porch to the, to not just this university but all uh, Division one universities, the you know you challenge, I, I often like to do an exercise where I challenge someone I'm speaking to quickly, name five great universities that don't have a football program. <laughs> exactly. So go for it. The only one I, I mean, know is sorry. Boston University. Yeah, they I cut mean, theirs. yeah, they cut theirs. All right. I mean, there's a few. I mean, MIT doesn't have one. Right. I mean, I don't know where Gonzaga fits in the level of great universities, but they got a, they got a basketball team that's their front porch, right? right, right. So, but it is your first impression. Yeah. So the the, the focal point is uh, to a degree uh, our team, mm-hmm. and the alums that I hear from, uh, you know, they don't they aren't watching some of the other things that go on on campus, but they're watching our team on Saturdays, and they're watching who we recruit, and it's phenomenal how many alums I get the opportunity to hear from, of which I'm one, which is kind of unique. Yep. So I'm kind of on both sides of the fence. Right. And, you know, I think the, the the idea that we can have success in Grizzly football and uh, have people see, see great success, great university, great atmosphere on campus, which we are a part of, can do nothing but enhance the uh, view of the university. And – you know, it's kind of, that's an interesting framing. I agree. Like, football is so visible, such high profile, and it is the front porch, as you mentioned. It's also a sport that's kind of going through some interesting times. And, you know, this is like two sides of a coin. It can be such a positive in terms of all the values it can instill um, 
innate group of young men. Um, but there's there's challenges to the sport, you know, player safety and player culture at, at all levels. Um, we've talked about some of that, but kind of make the case for for football and why it's such a positive force. And you know, you've yeah, chosen well, to make it your life's for, work. For, for what it, football's the greatest game ever invented. All right, it really is. It's, there's nothing even close in terms of team sport and what it gives to those participants. Uh, also for what it gives to uh, those that are not active participants that are invested emotionally, mm-hmm. meaning our fans who get great enjoyment out of it and and get to experience it on Saturdays. But all the things that we uh, we we build and develop in in both of those groups is unbelievably positive. Uh, when you talk about player safety, um, football is safer than it's ever been. Uh, the equipment's better. The, the techniques and coaching are better. Uh, the rules are better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've been playing football for almost 200 years since Princeton and Brown played in like 1875. We've been playing college football. I mean, that was, that was before the Battle of the Little Bighorn, just to put it in, mm-hmm. in perspective. Yeah. Uh, in in a Montana perspective, so football's been played a long time. It's been uh, there have been different rule changes at different times that have that have uh, pulled it back into being safer in some regards. But one of the reasons why uh, Americans love football, it's and there, I mean, there's no bigger event in the world where more people watch than the Super Bowl, and, right. and I don't think second place is even close. And a good portion of our country is watching college football on Saturdays and mm-hmm. pro football on Sundays. I mean, a large, large portion. So uh, one of the reasons why Americans love football is it's combative. I mean, it's a, it's a physical combative game, and Americans love it. And so football's and for that reason, too, to a degree, football's been under attack. Yeah. I don't think we should uh, shy away from that fact, call it what it is. Um, some of it valid, some of it not. I mean, there was a big hubbub fur about uh, concussions five or six years ago that was based on a study from Boston University. It's a flawed, it wouldn't, it's a, whose methodology wouldn't pass a graduate level research class. Okay. So, so be it. It's media, it's media generated, it's media dominated, and it has to be addressed. But what they don't say is, you know, 6,000% more kids, um, die riding their bicycles than playing football. What they don't say is the incidence of concussion is higher in women's soccer, lacrosse, hockey, and diving than football and leave out the the combat sports like boxing or MMA mm-hmm. or all that stuff. Sure. So, you know, football's at the top of the heap. It's the king, so it's going to take the shots. But, you know, and that's fine, but also have correct data and knowledge of the topic before right. you start uh, bagging on on football as a, a lone entity, mm-hmm. is what I would respond to that. Obviously, I've thought about this. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it's how could you not as yeah. being responsible for this group of young men? Yeah. It's got to be very salient. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, just you talk about evidence and putting your money where your mouth is. I mean, obviously, I come from that family that really believes the game has value and I, I think it's plenty safe, and so does my wife. I mean, we, we, our son's playing on our team. Right. You know, and, and uh, we love – I don't get to watch him much other than on film once in a while. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, my wife loves watching him play the game, as do 
all these mothers of these kids were playing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, been sort of something that is a little bit of a burr under my saddle. Sure. To see some of the youth football things go away and, and all that. And when you look at the number of injuries and all those things, I mean, I told, I've told a couple of mothers that have asked me the question, I said, I'd keep them off that bike, get them a football uniform. It'd be more safe. Yeah. And to watch football go away in some municipalities, like, you know, talking to Dan Hawkins, and he's at, he's at uh, UC Davis now, and to watch that go away in, uh, in Davis, California, is uh, a little bit discouraging because, you know, we, we've seen all the great things that the game has provided for, and, and I'm going to go back to what I said a while back right. about it's not about the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's about all the good things that kids get from playing football in high school and, and at all other levels that, that they're better for. Mm-hmm. You mentioned in there family. You mentioned in there the Super Bowl, and, and I can't help but uh, but <laughs> ask you, as like a, a long-term – I lived in Philly. I went to college in Philly and uh, just suffered through a lot of heartbreaking years of the Eagles. Your brother coaches for the Eagles, and uh, what was that experience like following his success in the Super Bowl year and all of that? Well, you know, he had a, he had a long – playing career yeah and four of those 13 or 14 years were spent in philly so he's got a he's got the the double uh good name in philly yeah people, speaking people of dangerous like turf him. right yeah he got uh, he got knocked old michael irvin into that turf and that was the last time he he played but yeah. uh people in philly kind of like him for that but uh go, going to the super bowl having a chance to be part of that was you know, for me as a football guy, it was really cool, and as a as a brother, and to go there with my mom and my son, and all that was was neat. But but watching him uh, get a chance to finally be in that game because he was close many times, but had never gotten there. Uh, it, it was pretty neat. In fact, I was <clears throat> down on the field with him after the game while they were giving the uh, wow. the owner and the head coach the. Lombardi trophy and I'm looking up and the confetti's coming out of the roof and he's he's laughing and I go I said this is a long way from Big Timber Montana for sure where we grew up and he's like yeah how about that so uh you know just some that was a great experience excellent well um it's been great to catch up with you, share some of your time during a busy week. I appreciate that. Uh, we're going to release this episode the week of the spring game. And uh, you know, for people that uh, might be inclined to come out and have a look at the spring game, what can they expect? Well, it'll be, uh, it'll be fun. We get out, last chance for us to put the pads on and go play. Uh, certainly we view it as another opportunity to practice and get better because ultimately it's about winning games in September, October, November, and and. December around here and uh you know it'll be it'll be fun to watch our guys play a little ball and it's uh see check out some of the new faces they're going to get a lot of reps and it's good for our our uh Grizzly Scholarship Association to Mm -hmm. generate a little revenue to pay for scholarships for all the sports which we do a lot of around here in football and I just uh it'll be it'll be fun and I, I appreciate you having me on I don't you know usually it's x's and o's for me and the chance to you know just visit and speak my mind which I never used to do and I kind of uh I kind of do a little more at my age but I uh I appreciate the uh the audience and the chance to be on the podcast with you and talk about the University of Montana and how passionate I am about our school and 
and specifically our football program. Thanks, Coach. Best right. of luck. Go Grizz. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Coach Hauk. Check out the game on Saturday and uh, go Grizz. Okay, coming up next week, you know, it's really difficult to think of a more different guest. A few weeks ago, famed tribal leader, organizer, economist, and activist Winona LaDuke visited the University of Montana to give the presidential lecture series address. It was great to get some of her time and tune in next week for a pretty wild conversation. Thanks for listening to New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, part of the Michelle and Lauren Hansen Media Lab at the University of Montana College of Business. Remember that this podcast was supported by CED, Consolidated Electrical Distributors. These guys pretty much sell anything electrical you'd ever need, but they also hire a ton of our students. If you want to learn more about jobs at CED, visit cedcareers.com. Before we go, I want to thank some important peeps. Executive producer, Stefan Borsum. Producer, Aidan Morton. And interns, Aspen Runkle, Max Gibson, and Ellie Hanasek. Huge thanks to VTO, Jeff Ament, and John Wicks for the tunes. And finally, props to Jeff Meese, our master of all things sound. Finally, if you have any questions, suggestions, comments, insults, whatever, please email me at anewangle at umontana.edu. Help us spread the word, and be sure to use the hashtag anewangle when you do. Thanks a lot. See you next time.